The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of my days. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hmm. I get chills when I read that verse. That verse is a powerful verse. It's used in times of suffering and pain. It's one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. It's used to bring hope and comfort and encouragement and often relief. As David is writing that, I can just imagine him feeling some sense of comfort, some sense of joy. And and, and I, I love this verse because this verse doesn't just teach me to have joy when everything's going well. This verse teaches me that paradise is wherever Jesus is leading me. Because ultimately, he's leading me to heaven, which is the ultimate paradise. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for miracles that are happening. But Father, I I know there's some people going through a valley. I know that there's some people just anxious and, and heavy today. And Father, I pray that you would just show them that you are right there. Father, I pray that your words would ring true. God, you are good. You are our good shepherd. In your name, amen. Well, if you're with us for the first time today, welcome. I want to welcome our LaGrange campus and those watching online. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the service. I don't know about you, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's here. Uh, He's just kind of laying in this place, hanging out, and, and I think we need to give him praise Um, Come on now, Uh, LaGrange, give him praise. If you are online, hey, you know what? Hopefully you're not in your car watching, but if you're at home, shout, put your hands up, do whatever you need to do. But I I, I do, I I love this chapter. Um, I I love this chapter because it's just kind of right where God has me. And like I told you, I don't ever want to say something to you that God's not doing in my own life. And and I feel like he's just kind of moving and moving me through this ever journey. 
And, and sometimes I'm like, yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh, man. I'm thank you that you're my good shepherd. But if you don't know, David is writing this, right? David's writing this. And if you know about David, David was a shepherd boy. If you didn't know, I was a shepherd boy. Not kidding. I had one. His name was Odie. Right? And so I kind of know sheep. You're supposed to laugh, but it's all good. It's good. I did. I had this sheep. My, my, I grew up on a farm slash ranch kind of thing. And my mom used to think it was cool to have like one of every animal. I'm like, come on. But so it's just interesting. It's like we had this sheep named Odie. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But now I kind of am starting to understand Odie a little bit more. I'm starting to understand sheep a little bit more. Just from reading and studying this chapter and I'm like, okay, I kind of, I took Odie for granted a little bit. But David is, he was a shepherd. And, and this shepherd boy that used to take sheeps on these long journeys, now grow up, he grew up to be a king. And, and, and he wasn't just a king, he was a poet. He was an artist. He was, he was a conqueror and slayer of giants. I mean, he was, this David was, he's the man, Right? But come to find out, David wasn't perfect. David was a liar and a cheat, an adulterer and a murderer. He was a liar, a cheat, an adulterer and a murderer. And even still, in the New Testament, we see that God calls him a man after his own heart. I pray that God says that about me. I mean, how many of us would want that, right? Oh, hey, you're a man after God's own. Wow, you're a man after my own heart. Even after all he did. You see, something about David's interesting is that David didn't take God's forgiveness for granted. He didn't take his mercy or his goodness for granted. He realized his sin quickly, asked for forgiveness, and then moved forward. Did you hear what I said? He realized his sin quickly, asked for forgiveness, and then said, I'm not going to do that again. He repented and turned the other way. And so that's why I believe we find these psalms that are so uplifting and so encouraging, but, but they're authentic and real. I mean, if you look at Psalms 22, you can tell David's not in a good spot. He's tired. He's, he's drained. He's emotionally spent as he's writing Psalms 22. And, but then towards the end of 22, he's like, but God, you are still good. You are still the one I praise. And then he comes to Psalm 23. And, and some would say, some scholars would point that David's writing this psalm later in life after he's experienced life a little bit. And he's reflecting on his time as a shepherd. He's reflecting on his time as a shepherd. Now, he, some, some believe that he's reflecting on this while his son Absalom is out fighting a civil war 
that his son Absalom's pride started. And so you can still sense kind of this anguish and this just heartache in Psalm 23. But at the same time, it's a psalm of encouragement. I mean, how many times have you been in a season of stress and anxiety? And then you go to Psalm 23 and you say, it's all okay. It's all okay. It's going to be good. It's going to be good because the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, I, I think if it, uh, the bird's eye view of this chapter, and as I first started studying this chapter, I, I saw it kind of from this 50,000 foot level, right? It very much, it looks like it's in two halves and, and it quite could be. It, it's this half first where it's like the first four or five verses are, are really written from a shepherd and a sheep's perspective. It's really the sheep to the shepherd and, or the sheep to other. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It starts out with the sheep, uh, the sheep talking to other sheep, I think, in my mind. And I told you my mind's crazy. And then the sheep talking to the Lord and, and, and his shepherd. And then it goes back to this... The, what looks like the sheep talking to the shepherd, but in the second half, there's this whole, um, this whole owner of a home and then the tenant that is in it, right? And he's preparing food for this table. And then he's like, man, I'm gonna dwell in this house forever, the tenant is saying. But I think as I started studying and, and I came down to this kind of lower, this kind of like, whoa, right on top of this verse, what I found is, is honestly, if you look at this from the sheep's perspective, from a shepherd's perspective, it looks really different. Because these six verses are actually a journey that the shepherds and sheep would take. You see, at the beginning of every year, back in, in the Middle East and, and, and 2,000 years ago, these shepherds would take their sheep from the ranch or farm from the homeland, and they would go up into these valleys and up into these mountaintop-type tabletop areas where they would allow their sheep to, to graze and feed for the summer. Because on the snow had kind of covered these mountaintop areas very lightly and it had caused this lush green grass to grow. And so these sheep, these shepherds would take them up there during the summer and where it was a little cooler, where the sheep would be a little more comfortable. But they would take them on these long journeys up into this tabletop land where they would feed them. And then towards the end of the summer after mating season was over, and as the, the fall storms would roll in, the shepherds would gently guide the sheep back down to the ranch and allow them to settle for the winter. Ever present, always caring for the sheep. And so that's the view we're gonna take a look at it today. We're gonna take a look from a shepherd and sheep's point of view with these six verses. The first thing that I noticed is this, is that, that God is, is personal. God is personal. 
The first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I could be done right there. It's a beautiful working relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see, I can kind of imagine in my own crazy brain, and if you know me well enough, you know that I... I talk about my crazy brain and how I think sometimes very differently than other people. But as I was reading this, I was like, man, this, you know, as David's writing this, I, I kind of think of him, you know, as the sheep, right? And the sheep's like talking to these sheep in the other pen. And it's kind of like the kid at, at the playground who's saying, my dad's the best. I know my kids do that. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, right? But he's like this, this kid, the sheep's in, he's like, the Lord is my shepherd. Take that. It's okay to boast when you're boasting about Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't have to want for anything. How personal is that? Think about that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You're like, stop saying that. Not until you get it. David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's that personal working relationship. Because then he goes on to say, he leads me. He guides me. He leads me and disciplines me. You see, discipline is always taken best when there's a personal relationship there. It's personal. I mean, this shepherd, this sheep to this shepherd's like, hey, I'm pumped. This is a personal relationship. Like, we are good. I'm excited about the Lord being my shepherd. I mean, he's there when I need food. He's there when I need drink. He's there when I step out of line and and I need him to gently guide me. It's personal. But you can't make him personal until you have made him present in your life. You can't understand the personal side until you have made him present. Until you have said, come, Jesus, God, hang out with me. You see, I think people fear that a little bit. They fear the personal side of God, right? They fear it. They fear the kind of like, oh, he's up in my, he's telling me what to do. Mm. He's telling me what to do. Wait, 
I don't need nobody telling me what to do. I'm a 40-year-old man. I'm not 40 yet. I'm 39. What, you're going to tell me what to do, God? You're going to tell me what to do? Whoa, uh uh-uh. And so what they do is they're like, oh, he's a tyrant. But if you know anything about the character of God, mm, he is tender. He is loving. He is caring. He is compassionate. And yes, he is righteous. You see, I think that's important to hear. You see, he, he tenderly came. He came to heal the sick. He, when, when Jesus came, when God came in the form of Jesus, he came to heal the sick and the hurting. He came to heal the sick and the hurting. And so he was super compassionate, super loving. Wanted to heal them. But he's full of integrity and leadership. And he was really hard on those who thought they were better than everybody else. Or those who were super religious and looked down on all those hurting. He was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh Uh-uh. No. And so he got real personal with them. He got real personal. And they didn't like it. They were like, whoa, uh uh-uh, you're telling me what to do. You need to go. But you see, when we make God real personal, it gets real. When we make God real personal, our eyes and our ears and our lives are different. We see things different. We hear things different. It's personal. It's a relationship. He wants that relationship. He wants that relationship. He wants you to call him my shepherd. You see, when you make him personal, he provides because he is a provider. He is a provider. He's the ultimate provider. I mean, look at it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness righteousness for his name's sake. Whoo, come on. He provides. You see, sometimes, here's the thing. The shepherd would provide rest when the sheep needed rest. He knew exactly what they needed at exactly the right time. Even when it may have hurt the sheep a little bit. 
You see, sometimes as they were on this journey, as they left the ranch and they headed up to the mountaintop, they'd be in these valleys and things. And the shepherds knew, the shepherds knew that, oh, if they go over there, they'll fall off the cliff. If they go over here, they'll get attacked by by a lion. If they go over here, that's poisonous. I've got to lead them. And so here's what would happen. They would lead them. and, 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 And this interesting thing was is that sometimes the sheep would just go all over and crazy and run around and go from here to here and here to here. And sometimes what would happen is that the shepherds would have to take one of those little lambs and break its leg. Because here's what was happening is that little lamb needed rest. And guess what? That little lamb, sometimes when that little lamb would run off, it'd take about 50 of them. And so then the shepherd was all over and the sheep were going crazy. And and in order to make the journey, he knew they needed rest. And so sometimes when he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, that green pastures may not always look the way it needs to look to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? It may not always look the way you want it to look like. Like a sort of bed that props you up. Sometimes rest may look like sickness. Sometimes your green pasture may look like sickness. And you're like, no, 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 sickness, no, no, no. Yes, it may. My former pastor of the church I was at before here, that's a long time ago, told me about a time that God made him lay down in green pastures. Green pastures to him were on a beach or at the lake. But the green pasture that God made him lay down was in his bed in a hospital. He had worked himself silly and needed rest. And so God allowed him to be bitten by a brown recluse. And he was down for six weeks. He made him lie down and rest. He made him lie down and rest. He provided rest. You see, as the sheep were also on this journey, sometimes there would be uh, scarce food. There wouldn't be a lot of food, but... The shepherds knew exactly where the food would be. And sometimes the food would be just right in between some rocks. And they knew how long and, and how long it would take. And so they would, they would lead these sheep down this path. And sometimes the food that we need is just blades of grass. It may not be this huge pasture. Now it's a pasture because you are getting exactly what you need. Do you hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? He's providing for you exactly what you need. No more, no less. Oftentimes, there wouldn't be a lot of water on this journey. But the shepherds knew that early in the morning as the dew would settle, It would settle on these little blades of grass and that the sheep could get enough water into their system by just eating that grass. They would lead them by it. That's your stream. 
He leads me beside still waters. There's nothing more still than dew on the grass. It was safe to drink. It was safe to ingest. He provided. It may not always look like what we think it's going to look like. But he will provide. I mean, when I'm hungry for me, and if you know anything about me, you know that I want Outback. I literally would eat it every meal I could. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But sometimes God says, no, I'm going to provide you Chick-fil-A. I'm like, "Mm, I love Chick-fil-A. My wife works for him. That's great. But then sometimes he's like, no, you need ramen noodles today. I need what? You can eat ramen noodles or that bean burrito in the freezer. You see what I'm saying? He's still providing for you. He's still providing for you. He's still providing. Some of you have kids. And, 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 and you're like, oh, I want them to have this teacher. I need, we need that teacher. Mm, that may not be in the cards for you. You may mess up something that God really needs you to, really needs your kid to see and provide. You hear what I'm saying? You're like, whoa, 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 time out. You mean I can't? No, I'm saying you need to listen to Jesus and allow him to provide for you. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying just allow Jesus to provide for you. If you're going to make him present, he's going to provide. You see, God doesn't give us the spirit of fear. We don't need to be worried about him providing for us. It's a promise he makes. He will provide. You're worried about your future. Guess what? He'll provide. Make him present in your life. You're worried? Make him present. He don't want to, he don't, man, you don't need to be worried. Man, tomorrow will worry about itself. Focus on today. Make God personal. Make him present. He's going to provide for you. He's going to provide for you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to bless you and show you favor. But sometimes in order for him to do that, he has to take you into this valley. But guess what? When he takes you into the valley, he will protect you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You go before me and prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. He provides protection because he's a God of protection. You see, even in the valley, he provides protection. In the valley, he provides protection. 
I mean, the, the shepherds, as they would start this journey, as they would go up and, and, and enter these valleys, they were, and these valleys weren't like, oh, hey, lush and beautiful. I mean, these were kind of crazy places and there were a lot of things that could happen to these animals. So they had to protect them. They had to be ever present, always there with their club and their staff ready to protect them. Sometimes protection meant throwing their club and nailing a cougar. Sometimes their protection was using their staff to gently guide and lead. Oh, no, 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 don't go over there. Don't go over there. Come on now, come on now. Whoa, 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 come on, stay over here. And even as they would go up through the valley, as they're protecting them, you know, when they get to the mountaintop and a lot of people think, whoo, I've reached the mountaintop. I am good. No, you better be ready because in the mountaintop, that's typically when Satan wants to come down and cut you at your knees. I'll be honest. There's a lot of times where I wish I'm like, oh, things are going really well. I better watch out. My car is about to break down. Something about to happen. My, my son's car is going to need a new tire. Uh-uh-uh. Oh, things are going well. I better watch out. Oh, things are going well. I better watch out. No, here's the thing. When we finish, he said, he anoints your head with oil. You see, what would happen is, is when they get to the mountaintops, it's the summertime, right? What happens if you know anything about sheep in the summertime? I, I raised one, I know. <laughs> flies. Bzz. Silly little flies. Here's the thing. What happens is the, these flies would get so bad, the sheep would literally beat their heads to death. Then the other thing they had to worry about on the mountaintop was this thing called scab. It was this parasite disease that would get all over them. And then not just that, they didn't just have the flies and the bugs buzzing around and getting in your ears and telling you what you are. Think about it, huh? Come on now. You hear where I'm going? Then they had this parasite that would kind of fill your mind and just cover you and be like, oh, you are no good. And then guess what else? They had each other. It was mating season towards the end of the summer. So what would happen is the rams would little beat themselves together like this. How many times do Christians do that? We just beat each other up. We just beat each other up. so the shepherds would anoint their heads with oil to protect them. And it's not just olive oil, right? Don't think of olive oil. This is a mixture of, of, of oil and, and, and laxseed oil and, and, and tar. And they would cover the sheep and they would cover them to protect them from the flies. Because the minute the shepherds would put the, the oil on them or, or they would actually, to prevent scab, they would literally dip them into this concentrate or, or to protect them from beating each other up during this intense mating season. They would cover their heads with oil. Guess how often they would have to do it? Almost every day. They had to cover their heads with oil every day. Guess what? 
If you want protection, you better cover your head with oil in the Holy Spirit and make him present in your life reading this book, the club and the staff. Feeling, covering your head with his presence. Anointing your head with oil every day to protect you from the lies that Satan tries to tell you, to protect you from each other, to protect you from always wanting more. Always wanting more. I firmly believe Christians should be the most content people on the face of the planet because because we have the Lord as our shepherd. He is personal. He provides. He protects. We should be content. Loving people. Covering ourselves every day in his word. Saying, God, you got me. Holy Spirit, let me walk out into this land today. You see, when we're on the mountaintop, we still got all sorts of things coming at us. We have to anoint our heads every day. God's personal. He provides for you. He protects you. And here's the cool thing. It's not a flash in the pan. It's permanent. Because he is permanent. Repeat after me. He is permanent. Okay, my five-year-old can do better than that. Repeat after me. He is permanent. Hmm, we'll work on it. He's permanent. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Whoo! When you make him present in your life, he becomes permanent. He becomes permanent. So the question today for you is, is God permanent in your life? Is God present in your life? Is he present? You see, I think there's, there's many of you out there today uh, watching online or in LaGrange who you, you like the heaven piece. You, you, you have said, hey, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I, I want to go to heaven. That sounds cool. That's good. But sometimes I, I think we, 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 we forget that we can't have it both ways. You see, he's a very present, personal, protecting, <laughs> providing and permanent God. He provided the permanent solution for us. And he just says, hey, I just want all of you. I don't want just a little bit. I just want all of you. I just want all of you. That's all he says. I'm permanent. 
You don't ever have to look anywhere else, okay? Don't look anywhere else. Focus on me. I'm permanent. I'm going to be your permanent shepherd. All you have to do is believe in me. All you have to do is believe in me. Now, I'm going to ask you to pick up your cross and carry it. Sometimes that means you don't get your way. But just remember, just remember that I'm permanent. I'm right here. I'll see you through. When you're valley, I'm right there. I'm going to see you through. When you're in the midst of a divorce or a messy marriage, I'm right there. I'm going to see you through. When your kids are going crazy and nuts and you, 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 you just, oh, what do I do? Guess what? God's permanent. He's right there. He's going to see you through. He's permanent. I mean, why would we want anything else? When the Lord is our shepherd, man, we get to dwell in his house forever. I mean, think about it. When the sheep are coming down the mountain, I bet there's a little giddy in their step. Because they're like, ooh, I get to go home. I ain't got to worry about a thing. My shepherd's been taking care of me. I know he's going to feed me. I get a rest. I get to do whatever I want. He's going to shear me when it gets too hot. When all the stuff gets in my wool, I'm good. Can you think about that? When they just going home. We see it's permanent. God is permanent. Because God is permanent, we do not have to fear death. Because death is just the beginning to eternity. Death is just the beginning. When Jesus changes your life, your life should reflect the change. And we should want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because no matter what you're going through, when Jesus is your shepherd, when the God that is personal, when the God that's a provider, when the God that's protecting you, when the God that is permanent is there, no matter what situation you are in, paradise is anywhere God leads us because paradise, because he is leading us to heaven, the ultimate paradise. Do you hear what I'm saying today? When God is your shepherd, Paradise is wherever he has you because ultimately he wants what's best for you. That's it. That's it. I know I've gone a little long today and I'll finish with this. Is, uh, you know, I talk a lot about my mom and um, she crazy, but uh, I talk a lot about her. Um, and, and, and what's cool is, is that right now, I know um, she's in a valley. She's been sick for 25 years. And so you, you gotta remember, you gotta be patient in the valley because you, you God's got you there until he's got you there until he moves you. And um, she's actually headed to the Mayo Clinic in Minneapolis tomorrow. But here's what's cool is I, I know my mom well enough to know that um, people watch her story and they're watching her and 
I know that the Mayo Clinic better watch out because um, I believe I believe God's going to use her story and the way she's handled her story. Has she handled it perfect? No. But she's handled it in a way that shows other people God is her shepherd. And because of the way she's handled it, I fully believe at the Mayo Clinic next week that because of how she's handled things, people will see Jesus in her and then potentially their story begins with Jesus. You see, people are always watching you. So how you handle the valley, how you handle the mountaintop could be how someone else sees Jesus. How do you want them to see him? As the good shepherd or the tyrant? We all have a choice to make.